0: to have church in here come on amen amen you may move back to your seats if you please thank you jesus hallelujah god is good and all the time come on you already know today's sermon is as in the days of noah god moved in a powerful way first service and he is going to move again. And he's going to touch people here. He's going to speak to you. My prayer is that this message would stir you up, would fire you up, no matter who you are in this room. If you're a little kid, I remember when I was 8, 9, 10, 11, I never was old enough to go up to the altars because they'd always call the teenagers to come up to the altars first. And I was like, well, I'm 10, I'm 9. How, what about me? I want, I want more of God. So whoever you are in this place, God has something he wants to speak to you, but we have to listen, we have to hear, we have to respond. So right now, with all eyes closed, heads bowed, Father, we invite your presence to come in this place. Jesus, we're listening to you. We take you seriously, Lord. We take you at your word. You said, ask and we shall receive. What are you asking for God to do in your life today? Lord, I'm asking you to move in power. I'm asking you to break chains. I come in agreement with what Pastor Griselda was speaking. Freedom in Jesus' name. Any cycles of sin end today, any struggles end today, any attitudes out in the name of Jesus, any stinking thinking out in the name of Jesus, any oppression. Anything that does not belong in the presence of God, we command it to go in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, have your way, Lord. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. All right, well, for those of you who don't know, my name is Lawrence Rodriguez. I'm a deacon here at Metro Praise. I've been serving here for about eight or nine years now. Um, I'm also a Bible college student. Just about to graduate. I have just like one or two more classes left. Praise God. I'm also married to the lovely Jacqueline Rodriguez and my son Ethan Rodriguez. I have him as well. God is good. God is good. All right, let's open up to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to start in uh, verse 36. If you have time, um, you can just go to the verse, Matthew, that's on the notes. I'm just going to be mainly reading from that part. So scroll down. There we go. More and more. Right there. Perfect. Um, So the whole chapter, chapter 24, it talks about the end times. It addresses a lot of the different things that we're seeing. It talks about wars and rumors of wars and people being persecuted and all of these different crazy stuff totally lines up with what we're seeing unfold in our present day. So if you want to see some cool prophecies about what the end times will look like, please take the time to read the rest of chapter 24. But God highlighted specifically verse 36 up to 39. That's the scripture that I'm going to be sharing from today. I hope it encouraged you again. I hope it makes you uncomfortable. I hope it moves you. I hope it fires you up for the kingdom. And I hope that it does something in you today. We're going to be starting in uh, verse 36. Jesus is talking, and he's talking about, again, the end times, the last days. That's pretty much the context of this whole chapter, and he's continuing that on here in this verse. Let's go ahead and read it. It says, But as for that day and hour, no one knows it, not even the angels in heaven except the Father alone. For just like the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in those days before the flood, everybody say before the flood in those days before the flood people were eating and drinking giving marriage giving in marriage marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing until the flood came and took them all away it will be the same everybody say the same. same it will be the same at the coming of the son of man thank you Jesus for your word So in verse 36, um, Jesus, again, he's talking. For some of you who read from the NIV, you might be seeing a phrase in there that could possibly be a little bit confusing. In the NIV, it says that not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, only the Father knows the day or the hour. I just want to address that really quick so that we're not confused and we're all on the same page. Jesus and the Father are one. Whoever has seen the Father or whoever has seen the Son Has seen the Father, right? There is no secrets that Jesus is holding, uh, that he's keeping to himself, that the Holy Spirit and the Father don't know. They all share the information. They all share the knowledge. They are one. They are all on the same exact page. Now, why would Jesus then say, the Son doesn't know the day or the hour that he's coming back? Well, Jesus was speaking as a human being from his human limitations. Newsflash, Jesus did everything as a human being. Uh, as he was enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you think that's a little bit confusing, I hope that sheds some light. He wasn't speaking as God. He was speaking uh, constrained to his human ability. How many of you guys know our human brain is not capable of understanding and knowing everything? If it did, it, our brains would probably explode. Who knows? Um, so again, that's just to clarify that statement if you see it, if you happen to see it in your NIV translation. But again, Jesus clearly knows When he's coming back, he's right now with the Father at the throne making intercession for us. Him and the Father are on the same page. So I just wanted to clear that up. But again, it says, as for that day, no one knows the day or the hour. Another thing is that we need to stop selling books. We need to stop making TV shows. We need to stop commenting about when we think Jesus is going to come back as far as the day and the hour. Let's stop doing that Jesus said nobody knows the day or the hour he helped us out a little bit so if a lot of people are into end time prophecy which it is totally awesome and totally cool um, save yourself a little bit of trouble and don't try and predict when Jesus comes back later on in this in the in the in the New Testament um, Paul encourages us not to worry about the day um, and when specifically he's coming back so don't waste your time on those different things that are addressing the specific day or the hour jesus says it here nobody knows so if somebody says hey i know for 599 when jesus is coming back don't listen to them let them grow broke trying to sell that book they don't deserve your money so anyway moving on that's what it says nobody knows the day or the hour not even the angels in heaven only god knows for just like the days are the days of noah were So, the coming of the Son of Man will be. Jesus makes this statement, and he's referring to the mindset and the attitude when he returns, and he's making a comparison between the days of Noah and his generation, and then the generation that Jesus returns. He's making a comparison here, and he's saying that just as it was in the days of Noah, how many of you guys know Noah, right? Noah's ark, the big flood. Uh, two, two of every animal, um, two of a, a pair of every uh, living thing entering the ark, right? Forty days, forty nights, all that good stuff. Um, the Noah's ark story. He's referring to that. He's saying, just as it was like in that generation, so it will be like when Jesus returns. Now, if you've ever read Genesis and that account and what it talks about concerning Noah's generation, we know that it was a very wicked generation. You know that it was a very evil generation. We know that it was a very violent generation. They were all of these things so much to the extent that Jesus, that God regretted even creating them in the first place. How evil, how sinful and wicked do you have to be to now grieve God's heart that he ever even created you? Those are the people that we're talking about. However, Jesus goes a little bit further. He's not necessarily naming the violence, and the wicked, although that was a part of Noah's generation, he's going at something deeper, and he clarifies that in the next statement. Again, for just like the days of Noah, where the the coming of the Son of Man will be. What do you mean, Jesus? Well, for in those days before the flood, people were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, and they were giving in marriage. I like to refer to that as they were satisfying their cravings, they were satisfying their stomach, and they were chasing after their sexuality. They were pursuing love, however they might have defined it back then. That's what they were doing. doesn't necessarily refer to homosexual marriage. doesn't necessarily refer to drunkenness or uh, gluttony, which are sins, right? It simply says they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. I have a question for you. Where in the Bible does it say that eating is a sin? Where in the Bible does it say that drinking is a sin? Again, it's not even referring to alcohol. It's just saying drinking. Where does it say that marrying and being given in marriage is a sin? As far as man and woman, that's a blessed institution by God. So what is Jesus referring to, and what's the relevance to the generation of Jesus' return? Why is this important? Again, there's nothing wrong with eating, Nothing wrong with drinking. That's not a sin. That's not wicked. That's what everybody does. That's a normal part of human life. Pursuing love, pursuing relationship. Some of you are single, ready to mingle, but you need to stay with Jesus for a little bit longer. Calm down. Be patient. There's nothing wrong necessarily with these things that Jesus lists. I see Brian smiling. Amen. Don't be, <laughs> be patient, my man. God, God got your back. All right. So, um, praise the Lord. (laughs) I love Jesus. All right. So, again, there's nothing wrong with these things that Jesus lists off, at least at face value. Say you're living in the time of Noah's generation, and you have a job, a full-time job, and, you know, you have your days off or whatever, right? Saturday, Sunday, whatever whatever it looked like back then. And, uh, you know, you you finally get off work, and you have some free time, and you call up your buddies, hey. We're going to party. We're going to have some fun. We're going to barbecue. Maybe there's not even alcohol involved. Hey, bring the Coca-Cola. Bring the Sprite. Whatever you guys drink, right? Hey, come over here. We're going to have a good time. We're going to hang out. We're going to fellowship. It's a more spiritual word. We're going to fellowship, right? Hey, why don't you bring that one cute guy or that one cute girl. Maybe something can happen. You know, I've been looking at them. I've been thinking about them, whatever. Maybe not even in a perverted way. Just just kind of, hey, you know, let, let me do this. Let me get this together. I have some free time. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm looking forward to. These are my plans. Which, again, doesn't seem like there's anything wrong with it at face value at first. So, again, what's the relevance? What's the importance of this comparison? What is Jesus referring to? And why is it connected to the day that he returns? Well, look at this statement right before he lists off the four things. For in those days before the what? Before the flood. Everybody say the flood. In those days before the flood, people were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. Now hold on a second. If there's a flood coming, if there's something coming on the horizon, it's a crisis, it's severe in its magnitude, it's going to disrupt things, it's going to uh, disalign things, it's going to inconvenience people's lives, it's dangerous, it's dangerous to your health, it's dangerous to your well-being. If a flood is on its way, why on earth would you be keeping on with the normal cycle of life? If a flood is on the horizon, why are you still going to the barbecue the day before the flood hits? Wouldn't you be getting all of your friends and at least getting in a car, driving off somewhere? You don't even know, but you're at least going to get away from where the flood is going to occur, would you not? See, what Jesus is referring to is the mindset and the attitude of the people. The way that they're living their lives. And the part, the heart posture that they have, it's so focused on their own plans, on their own dreams, on their own ambitions, hanging out, fellowshipping. I'm just gonna eat here, I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna be with this person, I'm gonna pursue that person. I'm gonna eat, drink, marry, and be given in marriage, even though a flood is on its way. See, if there was a flood, again, that would change things. See, when you bring a flood into the equation, now you have to rearrange some stuff. See, any other time, if the flood wasn't even there, who cares? Eat all you want. Drink all you want. Hang out all you want. You have all the time in the world to spend and waste away, right? This culture encourages young people, people in their 20s and their teens, to live however they want and pursue whatever they want. As if somehow we have all the time in the world. As if somehow the only thing that matters is what we want and what we desire. Little do they know a flood is coming. See, people don't understand. They think they can keep going on as business as usual. They can go to school, they can get their cute little degree, go into their career job, look all nice and fancy, get a house. Plan for the next 20, 40 years down the road, oblivious to the judgment that's on the horizon about to wipe them out. What does it say? They lived this way. They acted this way, eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. I'll tell you what, Noah wasn't building that ark for a few hours. He wasn't building it for a few days. Matter of fact, I believe it's a hundred over over hundreds of, hundreds of years that he was putting that ark that structure together. The Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So Noah had enough influence and in social interaction for people to know what he was up to and what he was doing. Imagine if you were alive in that time. You're eating. You're drinking. You're having fun. You're doing you, because you only live once. Hey. And all of a sudden you see this guy who you know likes to talk about things that he considers right. This guy over here is always talking and trying to preach to us. He's a preacher of righteousness. I don't have time to listen to that. But you see him putting this structure together. Him and his family, they start building this thing. You see it at first, you don't really know what's going on. Hey, I'm just going to keep living my life. It doesn't matter. It's okay few years go by, the thing gets a little bit larger. More years go by, more plans occur, more things to do, more things to check off your list, and you're seeing this structure come together piece by piece. And next thing you know, you see this ginormous arc, the middle of nowhere. What is going on? And if that wasn't enough, imagine now you see animals coming from all over the world. elephants lions tigers and bears you see all of these creatures coming from the woodwork they're entering this boat would you not stop and say hold on hold on hold on. let, let me not go to that barbecue let, let me cancel this appointment let me let me just see let me just talk to him for a second let me just let me just check in hey hey noah yeah you, you know you, you always preach about right what's going on right now what is this See, the Bible says these people were so oblivious to the obvious thing that God was about to do. They lived as if everything was fine up until the very day Noah entered the ark. It says they knew nothing until the flood came and took them all away. Doesn't matter if an ark is being built. Doesn't matter if this guy's trying to preach to me doesn't matter that all these animals and creatures are flying in the sky and crawling on the ground going into this structure. I got my plans. I got my careers. I got things that I gotta do in the future. I'm trying to pursue this relationship and that's all that matters to me so I won't even pay attention to whatever Noah's doing. If only they knew The Bible says that God closed the door when Noah entered into the ark. See, that ark was open for that whole entire time. All those years that Noah was hammering away, that ark was open. Anybody could have walked in there. Anybody with enough common sense would have said, hey, you know what? I don't quite understand. I don't have it all figured out, but I see what you're doing. Let me at least go in there. Write my name down. I'm in. I'm with you, Noah. door to the ark was open for all those years nobody entered it they knew nothing they could care less god shuts the door some of you need to understand that in this place there is coming a day where the door of salvation will be shut and nobody will be able to enter in there is a day that is coming where it will be too late You might see the flood coming. You might see the water getting higher and higher. It might start to be a concern to you. But you know what? When you're in the face-to-face with God on Judgment Day, you'll have no more time. You'll be in for a rude awakening. They could care less. The door was open to them that whole time. They didn't step in. It didn't matter to them. What only mattered to them was their normal everyday schedule and the things that they had planned. They knew nothing until the flood came and took them all away. See, seeing this passage, it doesn't make sense how somebody could be so oblivious to that. We're living in a generation, especially in America here the last year and a half, people know how to respond to crisis. They hear about a hurricane coming and guess what? They start getting ready. They call up their friends in another state. Hey, I'm going to leave here for a second. This hurricane, this natural disaster is about to sweep through. Let me respond. Let me inconvenience my schedule. It doesn't matter if I'm hanging out with this person. It doesn't matter if I'm even pursuing this relationship. My life is on the line. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to make sure that I'm safe. In America, the last year and a half, we were preparing for COVID-19 something as deadly as the flu, thinking that it was so severe, thinking that it was going to wipe us all out or turn us into zombies, whatever they were talking about. How does the nation respond? How does the nation act when they hear the news, when they see the headlines? COVID-19, virus, increasing numbers, people are infected. What do they do? Name some things. How does the government respond? Shout it out quarantine, masks, what'd you say? Shut it down. They did all these different things. What was it? Try to find a vaccination. vaccination. There we go. We had the government telling us to stay at home, save lives, even though the mayor went out to get a haircut. It's a little jealous that, that time. Stay home, save lives, wear your mask outside, six feet, six feet. All the non essential businesses shut down. Churches shut down. They even shut down the entertainment industry. They even shut down the sports industry. How important of a disaster does America have to be to where they shut down the sports? Millions of dollars. They have to shut down the entertainment industry. Movies that were being planned, big productions that were in the making, stop instantly. Why? Why did it all stop? Because, in America's mind, in our government's mind, the people wanted to respond to the coming disaster. They were afraid, they weren't sure what to expect, and they wanted to be cautious. So, we followed the orders. Even the church responded. You know how hard it is to get all the churches on the same page and do the same exact thing and respond to the same thing? You can barely get churches to do anything together anymore. But all the churches in America shut their doors unanimously because COVID 19. We don't know what might happen. A crisis is on the horizon. We need to respond. We need to shut the doors. We need to stay safe. There's about one pastor, one church that did it. God bless his soul. He was standing firm for the gospel. Everybody has enough common sense to react and respond appropriately to danger, to news of crisis on the horizon. Yet, how is it that despite America being so intellectual and smart, being so woke to all the issues, we're responding and going overboard? bending over backwards, trying to prepare and keep ourselves protected from this virus. And yet a more severe judgment is coming on the horizon from the Lord this time. And nobody's shutting down? We've been been preaching repentance for years. We've been preaching judgment for years, that God is going to come. You have to make things right, but nothing gets shut down. Oh, see, that's not important enough for you to inconvenience your schedule. See, that's not important enough for you to lay your life down, for you to change your plans, for you to change careers, for you to, to, to change jobs. Oh, but your health is somehow okay. Oh, but somehow this virus, oh, that that's more important. See, people's priorities are so out of order. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. They knew nothing until the flood came and took them all away. It will be the same at the coming of the Son of Man. The same mindset, the same attitude, the same posture of heart. People were oblivious. They didn't care. All they cared about was their plans, what they wanted, their dreams, their goals, their checklist. All the while a flood is on the horizon about to wipe them all out. And yet here we are in America, making a fool out of ourselves, bending over backwards, shutting everything down, when the greatest judgment is just about to come, where eternal life is at stake, where God is saying that he is going to do something, he's going to shake the nations, the Bible says he's going to destroy the earth in fire, and yet that's not something that shakes us, that's not something that hits us to the core, we're so oblivious, Our priorities are so out of whack. As I continue to preach, I just want you guys to evaluate your own heart and repent if you have fallen for this lying deception. If you think that your plans are so important and you're not willing to interrupt whatever it is you have going on. But God is calling you to do something. There's something on the horizon and God is saying you need to change things. You need to rearrange things. You need to shut some things down. It is appalling, how have we become so dull? Years ago, preachers would come through the cities, would lift their voices around the nation, and floods of people would fill stadiums. Previous generations understood it. Previous generations understood the urgency. Previous generations responded at the call of the gospel. But we've gone so hard, We've gotten so cold, we focus so much about ourselves, all we care about is satisfying our cravings, satisfying our sexuality, making a whole month dedicated to whatever we sexually desire. How perverted and backwards do we have to be? Yet the real thing we should be focusing on is Jesus' return, is the coming judgment, is eternity without him. That's the generation we're living in. And I wish I could say that it's just the world. I wish that I could say that it's just how sinners are. Sinners sin. They're evil. They're wicked. Their father is the devil. That's what the Bible calls them. I wish I could say that it's just a problem outside of the doors of the church. wish I could say that, but the same problem that plagued the generation of Noah, the same mindset, the same oblivion, the same out-of-whack priorities, going out, eating, drinking, having fun, pursuing whoever you want to pursue, it's infected the church. It's seeped into the pulpits. Pastors are now chasing after their cravings. They're being caught in adultery. They're killing themselves because of years of depression that they didn't give to the Lord. And we wonder why the church is powerless. We wonder why nobody respects the church when we talk about repentance and holiness. Because they point the finger back at us. I was on a discussion on this Facebook page that was talking about, those of you who don't know, this worship group invited uh, Justin Bieber to come and worship with them on their set. That in and of itself is a whole discussion. But I was sharing my thoughts. I was sharing my opinions. I was trying to be as gracious as possible. I said, look, I don't know if this man is saved or not. I just don't see the fruit. And I don't think that the stage should be somewhere that he should find growth in. He needs to grow in the pulpits with everybody else. And somebody on that comment thread came out of nowhere and said, you know what? The church is full of hypocrites. The church has so many pastors that are living in sin. Look, at least Justin Bieber's honest about it. What's wrong with him being on the stage? Friends, this is the sickening mindset that has plagued the church. We think everything's fine and we will not shut down everything that we're doing despite the sin, the evil, the wickedness, the backsliddenness of our pastors, of our leaders, of our church members. We won't shut down our services when a marriage is about to fall apart. We won't shut down our services when leaders aren't confessing and being accountable. We won't shut down what we're doing if people are getting drunk in our church. But if a virus comes around, that could be potentially, oh, we got to stop. Hold on. Six feet. Let's shut the doors. Let's wait a few months. Where are our priorities at? What are we looking for? What matters to us? What matters to you? What matters to me? The church is not supposed to be like this. We're not supposed to be eating, drinking, worrying about this hangout and that hangout. Friends, instead of going to hangouts, you should be on your face before the Lord. Some of you don't need another hangout. You don't need to be with your friends. You don't need more itching ears to tell you what you want to hear. You need to be in the presence of the Lord until you get your breakthrough. It's a powerful testimony in our church of one of the leaders was dealing with something, was struggling with an issue. And her husband told you, you know what, you don't need a counselor, you just need to spend time with Jesus. She got breakthrough, her name is Albertina. If only we could all have that same mindset. Instead of making excuses and playing games, I'll get to it later. My life is falling apart, my spirituality is decaying. I don't have the same fire as I used to. God's called me to full-time ministry, but I'm too scared. I have too many things going on in my life. I'm just going to keep eating. Going to keep drinking. Going to keep pursuing whatever it is I want to do. And yet somehow so many Christians are naive and they think if persecution comes knocking on their door, they think they're going to be able to stand up to The oppression and the persecution and the voices in our culture, shaming them, calling them bigots and hate-filled. If you can't even say no to your sin, how are you going to say no to them? If you can't even say no to temptation, how are you say no to a culture that's out to get you? Too many of you guys think in this place that you're standing when you're about to fall. See, some of you, if you don't get something right in your heart today, we won't see you. A year from now, two years from now, there's cracks in the foundation. People are going about their life as if everything's fine. And God is calling out to you, change. Stop what you're doing. Something is on the horizon. And when a crisis is involved, things are different, and you can't do what you used to do before. Let's go to uh, Thessalonians Next verse here. First Thessalonians chapter five verses one through nine says this, "Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. Don't need to write to you about these different things, as is Paul speaking. Don't need to write to you about times and dates, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, nobody will expect it. While people are saying peace and safety. Somebody got it. Peace and safety. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. We have more sermons that sound like motivational speeches. Pastors saying peace and safety. Christians saying peace and safety. To a backsliding culture, musicians and artists that come to church, what do they hear from the pastor? Peace and safety. And we wonder why their lives aren't changed. This is what they're saying. Paul is prophesying. He's speaking of what it will be like. Everywhere you go, peace and safety. I mentioned this in first service. I'm going to mention it again. So many pastors prophesied and said they heard from the Lord. COVID-19 will just be a short blip. You don't have to worry about anything. God's going to come through. God's going to heal everybody. Don't worry about it. It's all going to be good. Now, praise God, some of them did repent. And they said, I wasn't hearing from the Lord. But what does it say of our church that we always run to this default when it says in the Bible not to do this? While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. Suddenly. Oh, I thought everything was good, Pastor. Yeah, I know, I'm drunk, I'm, I'm sinning, I'm cursing, I'm sleeping with my girlfriend. I'm having an affair, but what, what's, what's, how come my life doesn't feel like it's going the way it should be going? Well, don't worry, brother. Don't worry, sister. You know, God's so good. He loves you so much. just need to come to another altar call. You just need to put a little bit more in the tithes and offerings bucket. Don't worry, peace and safety. You're all good. Little do they know that destruction will come for them Suddenly. We're seeing Christians all throughout the body of Christ abandon their faith, dropping it instantly. People who used to be worship leaders, people who used to be in the pulpits. It's an epidemic. This is the illness. Destruction will come on them suddenly, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, everybody say, But you. Everybody point to yourself, say, But me. Brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Shouldn't be surprised. Stop freaking out. Seeing all the headlines and all the news. We shouldn't be retreating. We should be charging forward. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness So then, let us not be like the others. I'm tired of Christians pointing to what's going on in the world and taking their cues from sinners, from heretics, from people who are in all that rebellion, yet somehow we're writing our notes based off of what they're saying. I don't want to listen to them. I want to listen to what the Spirit is saying and my leaders that are in my life. Don't be like them. Stop being fooled by the people on TikTok. Stop being fooled by the people on YouTube. Just because they have millions of followers and subscribers doesn't mean they have an ounce of morality. Somebody who was a famous YouTuber, champion of the LGBTQ community, puts makeup on his face, gets tons of views. Got caught in a scandal cheating on a minor. Going after people who are underage. You think this is new? The Bible's warning about this kind of stuff happening thousands of years ago. Don't be like them. Stop being fooled. For those who, let's not be like the others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. We need to wake up. We need to sober up. We need to stop acting as if everything's fine, and we can go another day, another week, another month, not doing anything, not changing anything in our lives, despite a crisis amassing on the horizon. Let us be awake and sober for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. What are we to do? Putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Why are there people in the church saying that it's okay to take your armor off? Why do we have people in the church telling us that we we can put down our sword? It's not that big of a deal. Stop being so mean. Stop being so passionate. I've literally heard preachers and sermons, conferences, trying to minimize and dumb down the severity of God's judgment, making Christians be deceived, thinking that there's no war going on. We are not given one moment or one opportunity that we are to put down our sword. We're, there is not one moment we're able to take off the helmet. There is not one moment we're able to take off the breastplate because it weighs too much. Because it's hindering us. Because it's a little too heavy. Let me just take this off for a little bit. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. How as Christians weren't meant to get the same judgment as the people of Noah did. Wake up. Get things right now before you end up with them on the outside of the boat. Let's keep going. Jude, chapter 1, I believe. The next scripture. Thank you. It says this, but dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times. Everybody say in the last times. This is another prophecy, another word spoken about the future, the days we are living in now. In the last times, there will be scoffers. There will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. Need to take a water break. Hold on one second. How is it that the author of Jude... The power of the Holy Spirit was able to prophesy something so accurate today to where we have entire platforms full of scoffers and mockers. Have you looked through Facebook, go to the comments section, that's all you will see. Scoffing, mocking, it could be the most serious post. Somebody losing their life and instantly the reaction will be to, to scoff, to mock. they're not just doing it to anything and everything but they do it to the Christians they do it when we tell them to repent there's a spirit of mockery that's on the loose in our generation and they think they can make everything the butt of a joke but little do they know as in the days of Noah they're about to be taken out and they have no clue there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires these are the people who divide you Within this last season, there's been so much talk about cultural issues, different things going on in the church, in our government, in our population, in the inner cities. And yet, who does the church turn to to listen? Who do they give an ear to? Who do they hear talking? Who do they start reading the books from? People who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. Somebody needs to wake up today. You need to stop following all these woke people who are getting their cues from the devil. Yeah. They're bringing division. I wonder why the church is so divided these days about all these different issues. It's because they're following the wrong person. If everybody was in tune with the spirit, I guarantee you there would be a unity like never before. Greater than all the churches agreeing to shut down for a virus. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts. and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, there's something that we have to do. There's something we have to do, church. We're living in the last days. Jesus' return is imminent. Judgment is coming. Noah built an ark. What is God calling you to do? What does God want you to do? What does God want you to change? What does God want you to fix in your life? Before you go on another day thinking that everything's fine, what does God want you to do? He says, build yourself up in your faith. How are we to do that? By praying in the Holy Spirit. Come on now. Some of the Baptists miss this verse. We love them but they need to build themselves up in the Holy Spirit. I love that the Bible talks about this. How are we to prepare for the end times? How are we to be Christians in an end time world? Pray in the Spirit. Pray in tongues. Cry out to the Lord. Groan that words that cannot express. And keep yourselves in God's love. Oh, that God would keep us in his love. The Bible says he's faithful to finish what he started in you. Don't walk away from God's plan. Don't walk away from what God's telling you to do. Don't walk away from the things God's highlighting. Don't be so cold-hearted that you think you can get a pass, that you think this message is for somebody else but not really for you. Keep yourself in God's love as we wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring us eternal life. Vinny, if you could come, if we could all stand to our feet. There are two options for you today. Is this speaking to anybody? Can anybody see this happening around us as we speak? There are two people that we can be. Number one, we could be like the people in Noah's generation who are outside of the boat. They continued their lives as if nothing was wrong, as if everything was okay, as if they didn't have to interrupt or disrupt anything, and they lived that way until the destruction came upon them, and it was too late. You could either be in that group, you could either put off what God is highlighting you to do, and to surrender, and to give over to him another day. Another week, another month, another year, another 10 years. Friends, it's not worth it. Don't waste your lives. You could either be with them outside of the boat, or you could heed the warning. And you could take what God is speaking to his people, and you could apply it, and you could respond and say, Lord, you're coming soon. The end is approaching. Eternity is at stake. God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it for you. said it earlier i'll say it again noah built an ark what does god want you to do how are you to respond just a few moments right now you and the lord ask the holy spirit to reveal it to you i believe somebody's going to get touched in this place today don't go another day eating and drinking don't go another day checking things off your list it's not about that there's something more Lord release the fear of the Lord In this place Let's just stir the atmosphere right now Holy Spirit have your way Tug on the hearts right now In the name of Jesus Don't wait another day don't think you have another another week, another month. You have more time. Time is ticking. Destruction is imminent. God is returning. And He's looking for a holy people. If I can have the band come up. Keep praying. Keep praying. We're plowing the ground right now in the spirit. I'm going to give you a chance to respond in a moment, but I want the Holy Spirit to work something inside of you that this message can never do. Holy Spirit, come. Tug upon the hearts of your people. The years of you being on the sidelines is over. God's putting you in the front line. He's calling you to move up to the front. This might be a word for somebody God's calling you to stop being on the sidelines and go to the front. Don't put it off. Stop putting it off. Don't go another day. Acting as everything is fine. You know what God is calling you to do. It could be a sin that you're struggling with. It could be something that you are struggling with and you don't seem to break free. Stop what you're doing. Give it to the Lord. And don't go anywhere until you're living in full freedom. Holy Spirit the altars are open if you felt touched by this message come up to these altars we're going to call up the altar workers in a moment but if this word was for you and you need to give something to the Lord right now I want you to add these altars in Jesus name God's going to touch you Shotoraba, so go Hold on one second. Shotorabeke, Tiarabas, so go to Rabas, Sake, Taradabas, Sake, Tarabas, Holy Spirit, come. More Holy Spirit. Some of you aren't convicted enough to come up to the front. Lord, I pray that you would turn up the conviction in this place. Some of you guys think you're too good to come up to these altars. Some of you think you're not bad enough. You're not backslid enough. Well, I'm better than this person or that person. That's not what God is saying right now. Come, Holy Spirit. It's okay. Feel free to come up. There's no judgment. There's no shame in this place. You need God. It's okay, do business with him. There's time for more. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, move in this place. God's about to do something in your heart right now in the name of Jesus. More Holy Spirit. Some of you need to be up here on these altars. Some of you have no clue. You're about to lose your entire identity in another year. (sighs) If only you could see Jesus come. I can have the leaders come up and begin to pray for these people that are at these altars these altars are open the door is open right now the door is open by God's grace the door is open but there will be a day where God will shut that door and your opportunities will be no more don't waste another opportunity don't waste another day it's worth shutting everything down friends These altars are open. Some of you need to be up here. It's okay. It's okay. You need to come. You need to come.